In light of the spread of COVID-19 in our local community, and under the advisement of the CDC, public health, local government officials, and the Bishop of the North Georgia Annual Conference, Shamley United Methodist Church will be suspending in-person worship for the next two weeks. Our plan at this point is to be in touch with the members of this faith community regarding worship on March 29th, closer to that time. In the meantime, we will be working to stay connected in prayer, study, and worship through other means such as this podcast and hopefully a video stream very soon. Please know that Pastor Eric and myself are praying for you all wherever you may listen to this message, and we are grateful for ways to be together that still allow us to protect and care for the most vulnerable in our community. The reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. If you do not have a print copy of the Bible with you, you can access it through the free Bible app or online at BibleGateway.com. Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was making more disciples and baptizing more than John, although Jesus' disciples were baptizing, not Jesus himself. Therefore, he left Judea and went back to Galilee. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, which is near the land of Jacob, had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down at the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy some food. The Samaritan woman asked, Why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. Jesus responded, If you recognize God's gift and who is saying to you, give me some water to drink, you would be asking him and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you don't have a bucket and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and he drank from it, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty and will never need to come and draw water. During the season of Lent, we've been talking about the ways Jesus calls us to recreate our faith, to rethink how we've understood what it means to follow Jesus. Last week, we heard from Pastor Eric about how Jesus called on Nicodemus to be born from above. And this week, we'll pick up Jesus' journey as he leaves the land of the people of Israel and Judea and travels through Samaria on the way to reach Galilee. As we follow Jesus' journey, we should be aware that this is the first time in his ministry that he crosses from preaching to members of his own community to members of a different community. He is, as he goes into Samaria, crossing new boundaries, both in terms of geography and culture. And in this story that revolves around sharing water from a well, we hear a much needed reminder 
that following Christ will take us to new places and will cause us to rethink even the most basic practices. To understand why Jesus finds himself at a well in Samaria at noon, thirsty for some water, it might be helpful to know that what we read in verse 4, that Jesus had to go through Samaria, at first hearing sounds like there was no other option. But the truth is that the way to Galilee was very different. There were other paths to reach where he was going, other well-traveled roads. But as Dr. James Howell at Myers Park UMC reminds us in studying this packet, passage, the route that Jesus chooses is a route that brings him on terrain that is rough and difficult. It's not the easy road. It was not the only road. But the path that Jesus traveled from Judea to Galilee, though it was rocky and steep, was a path that he felt he had to travel. Dr. Howell says that the Greek word that we read as had to go is, quote, pregnant with divine necessity. It's as though Jesus needed to go through Samaria, not because it was traveling the well-worn road, but because it was a call for God, a call to move his ministry forward into new territory. It has become clear to me this week that we are sometimes called by faith to take a path that is not always easy. As we have all followed the news of the coronavirus, COVID-19, and its implications for people around the world, there has been great fear, anxiety, and confusion. It has not always been clear what the best path would be for ourselves, our family, and our community. As information has become available, we've had to weigh each new case and each new closure carefully, sifting through our reactions to try to piece together what comes from best scientific knowledge and what comes from a more emotional response. As your pastors, and along with the faithful leadership of this congregation, we have weighed what our response would be, how we would carry the ministry of making disciples on when the risk of infection with this virus could be potentially deadly for the most vulnerable in our population. I'm guessing that this kind of deliberation is not unique to the church. I've seen schools and workplaces asking the same questions. How do we continue to be a non-ancient presence, but also continue to care for the safety of the community? As you all know by now, the best path considered through prayer and consultation with experts in this area is to maintain social distance, which includes suspending in-person gatherings at Chambly UMC. As much as we can discern at this point, this option allows us to follow John Wesley's general rule, do no harm, and to join with our community as we try to slow the potential for a steep rise in cases. COVID-19 is a medical reality that pushes us to consider spiritual implications. What is our responsibility to one another? How are we called to care for those who are vulnerable? What are we willing to sacrifice to ensure that all of our neighbors are cared for? It's a tough road we found ourselves on. Yet, it is the path I believe God walks with us. 
How fitting then it is that we find Jesus at noon, thirsty at a well with a woman who is unnamed to us. From everything we can glean, she is severely isolated. Jesus meets this woman who is of a despised people, the Samaritans. Jesus meets a woman who of a despised people has even less status because she is a woman. Jesus meets a woman who we learn later in the chapter has been married five times, possibly because of divorce, possibly because she's a widow. We don't know. But he meets a woman without a husband in a culture and a time where all value came to women through marriage. She is isolated. She is alone. And that's probably why she chooses the odd hour of noon to venture to the well so she can be apart from any others who would gather there later in the evening. And while she's there on that day, she encounters a man, Jesus, who is thirsty and in need of her help. Jesus asks, much to the woman's surprise, for her to help him get some water. And though she tries to explain all of the reasons that this is a bad idea, Jesus turns the conversation about water from a well into an invitation to receive the living water of God. Jesus' humility in this moment, his need to ask for something so basic from this woman, allows him to enter into a conversation with her as an equal. He breaks down the barriers between them and offers a gift that only he can give. The gift of water that ensures that she will never be thirsty again. We can only imagine how wonderful those words came to the ears of one who had been cast aside by her community. We can only imagine how liberating the words of Jesus were to a woman who had forgotten her own worth. And yet through very ordinary task of drawing water from a well, Jesus helps the woman reshape her life and worth in the image of God. Water, a necessity for all living things, in this story becomes a metaphor for what can happen in our lives if we take in the grace of God. Perhaps now more than any time in recent history, we understand how valuable the very basic necessities are to us. With toilet paper flying off the shelves as people seek to collect what they will need to ride out an unknown period of self-quarantine. We become aware that there are some things in life that we just need. (laughs) And in the face of uncertainty and potential scarcity, we run to gather what we can for ourselves and our families. And yet here in this story, we have Jesus turning that basic instinct on its head. Jesus comes into the story as the one who doesn't have means to access water. He stands in need, asking. And the woman having what is needed to draw water shares. Because of her willingness, she comes to see the beauty of the invitation to drink of living water. When we are open to giving and receiving, we create a space in our lives where the living water can pour in. Even in times where we fear that we will not have enough, 
Jesus calls us to share in the promise that our needs will be supplied if we're open to rethinking how we live together. I imagine in the coming weeks, we will all need to drink the living water to remind ourselves that even though we are spending much time apart, we are not alone. Even though we find ourselves on a difficult path, we are not alone. Even though we don't know what the future holds, we are not alone. So today I want us to reflect on some of the ways that we can reframe the story of the woman at the well in light of our current circumstances. What occurs to me is that we, like Jesus was, are on a difficult path, but a path that we are no less called to, though it is difficult. It is a path where we have been asked to practice social distancing and self-quarantine. And in this way, we have to rethink how we understand love and care for one another. The first thing to reflect on is how do we show love of neighbor when the best practices tell us that being close to or embracing our neighbors puts us at higher risk? The first thing I would say is that I encourage everyone to be aware of the practices that are advised by the CDC to prevent the spread of COVID-19. To our best knowledge, one of the simplest ways to prevent the spread of this disease is to simply wash our hands for 20 seconds, to disinfect shared surfaces, and then to create a distance of at least six feet between us and others, more if we know that someone is infected. I would say that the first thing that we could do to follow Jesus down this path is to heed these practices to limit our exposure to large gatherings, and to remember that even if we are not in a high-risk population, our presence at these gatherings could compromise the health of our neighbor. And even though it sounds counterintuitive, in this environment, knowing what we know from scientists, the best way to be a good neighbor is to create space. Now, creating that space doesn't mean that we are isolated and out of communication with one another. It simply means that physically, physically, we are creating distance. But spiritually and emotionally, we can still be ever present to one another. And we can be a non-anxious presence in our community. We know that there are many things that we cannot control. But for the things that we can, I believe God is calling us to practice them with hope, peace, and joy, which reflect the faith that we have in Jesus to those around us. So in the face of this virus, what would it be like if we found ourselves being people of kindness and grace? Let's say that we find ourselves in need of going to the store or maybe the pharmacy Maybe we have to eat out at a local restaurant or visit a hospital or a clinic. In those moments, what would it look like if we remember that we can step into those conversations in a place of humility, like Jesus demonstrates with a woman at the well? What if we remember that we can be a face of kindness and joy to those individuals? What would it look like if we practice giving thanks for their service to us? if we show them kindness 
and acknowledge that they themselves are taking on a risk so that we can have what we need. What would it look like in our homes to try to practice patience with those around us? We all know that during this time, we will be spending a lot of time together in our family units, whoever dwells in our houses. We know that most of us, or many of us, will be working remotely. We know that our children will be virtually learning from our households, and we know that this will be something that will test our patience. What would it look like right now, as all of it is beginning, to commit to showing love to one another and to commit to the practice of being patient, knowing that none of us really wanted to go down this road in the first place, but that now that we're here, there is something we can do to reflect the love of God. Remember that though there feels like there is a lot of chaos and uncertainty in the world all around, we worship a God who promises us a peace that passes all understanding. And in this time, we can be those people of peace to others, however we encounter them, whether it be in person, whether it be online, whether it be over the telephone. We can choose to embrace this path, to travel it willingly, and to reflect in our actions the faith that we have in God. We also have the opportunity, like we see in the story of Jesus at the well, to give and receive ourselves. We have the opportunity to share and care for one another in ways that we probably typically do not have. This means that there may be others who are in need of our care, but this also means that we may be the ones who are needing care. I know that that is a tough message, especially when we are on the receiving end, but I hope that you hear that a faithful response in this situation may call us to be open to the help and hospitality of other people. Regardless of our age, we are all going to need one another to get through this. And I've collected a few ideas of how we may be able to do this, some of which were shared in an email that was sent out to the congregation earlier this week. The first thing is to check on one another. I know that we're used to shaking hands and passing peace on Sunday mornings, that we look forward to Sundays because we get to see people we don't normally see during the week. Just because we are not in person in the sanctuary at Chambly Methodist, we can still check on one another. If you have a neighbor or a family member who because of age or health concerns cannot go out, this is an opportunity for you to call them. I know that in the age of texting and email, calling seems like a forgotten task, but it can still be a very wonderful and personal way to reach out to someone and to tell them that you are thinking about them. When you call them, what would it look like if you ask if they need anything? Maybe if you're in a lower risk group, you can drop off groceries or prescriptions at their door while using whatever precautions necessary to make sure that you don't spread the virus. At Chambly Methodist Church, our wonderful director of member care, Linda King, has been helping us create a list of people that we know of in our congregation that we know need to be checked on and need to be called. And if you're willing and able, we would love to connect you with someone. It's not a big task, but it's an important task. Because over these next few weeks, we're going to need to hear from one another. Just to know that there is someone else out there who recognizes us sees us, and cares for us.
We can check in on people who are in small groups with us, regardless of age. As I said before, many people will be working from home, and many children in our school systems will be learning from home. This is a new experience for families. And if you, like me, were not gifted in teaching, you know that this can be a very stressful scenario. So what would it look like to call your friends or your peers and just say, how's it going? What would it look like if you have the gift of teaching or working with young children to reach out to some of your friends with a suggested schedule so they just have one less thing to worry about? What would it look like if you reached out to someone to see how you could be supportive of them? Maybe being a sounding board or sharing an idea? Or maybe, when it's safe, to share the responsibility of childcare? What would it look like if in this time we checked on people whose work will be impacted because of the call for self-quarantine or who will have to juggle childcare and a job that cannot be done remotely. This is a reality for many people in our community. People whose jobs require them to be there in person, including medical professionals who will be on the front lines of this pandemic. What would it be like to check in with those people, to ask them what needs they may have, and to respond in ways that feel appropriate and doable for you and your family. We are just at the beginning of this time together, and we really don't know how it will shape up, how long we will be here, or what things will face our community next. But the truth is we're never promised that in life. Whatever illusion we live under, we never know what will come next. What we do know as people of faith is that just like the woman who went to the well to draw water, wherever we go, wherever we travel, whoever we may be, Jesus will be waiting to meet us there, to talk with us, and to offer us grace. This is our hope in the days to come, that we worship a God who will not let us be thirsty just because we are quarantined. A God who will not let us give in to fear, though it feels like things in the world are out of control. We worship a God of hope, a God of life and light. A God who chooses the difficult path, who stands as one ready to receive and ask, and who offers us an invitation to living water that is eternal life. I hope wherever you are listening to this today, you know that you are loved and cared for and surrounded by the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I pray that you know that you do have a community of faith, siblings in faith who are standing ready to care for you. I hope that you know that you are always able to reach out to myself or Pastor Eric or other members of our staff at Shambly, and we will do our very best to connect you with any resources that you may need. And I pray that in this time, we don't shy away from the challenge that is before us, 
but instead realize the power that we can have if we work and live together. Seeking in our lives to do no harm, to love our neighbors, and to love God. Seeking to be people of faith who reside in the promises that come to us through our Savior Jesus Christ. Beloved, remember that God is with us. God is there for us. God sees us and cares for us, loves us and redeems us, and will not leave us alone, no matter what we face. Let us pray. Gracious God, we have found ourselves in this time where we are afraid, where there seem to be many things unknown, and where the things that we do know call us to places we're not sure we want to go. God, in this time, help us recreate what it means to be faithful people. Reshape us in your image. Reform our desires that we may turn with love to you and love to our neighbors. God, help us be a community that is there for one another, that models the care that we see in you and in your son, Jesus Christ. God, in this time, sustain us by your living water, that we may sustain others through our words and our actions, through our love and our care. We pray this now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now hear this benediction as you go about your day. May you go knowing that you are met by Jesus wherever you are and that you are called by Jesus to receive living water, to let it flow through you and to give it to others. May God be with you wherever you go. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.